0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by uberliftdrivers.com, ridesharerodeo.com, dumpling.us, and middletontech.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on! <laughs> So this week on the podcast, we are doing something a little bit different i am we are doing a uh triple release podcast. It is rideshare rodeo gig economy podcast and the rideshare guy. We are all releasing the same podcast uh this week that we had a little bit of a round table last week so uh, just kind of talking about some twenty twenty two stuff, and you know maybe some not you know eh, predictions, but that was what we initially had said we were going to call it. But it was more just a discussion about where we're at, and uh, I guess predictions, kind of where we see things might go. But you know that I used to always uh, i I always say that you know put it into in my opinion or whatever. And I, th- I think we said that throughout this. If not, we are definitely three podcasters, Harry Campbell. Jason Tyrion, and myself, who, um, who live by that policy, you know, make sure it's an opinion and that, uh, that your listeners know that, you know, so we're just, we're just giving opinions. But, um, you know, we're three of the people who have been uh, in the rideshare game for a long time and doing some podcasting as well for a while. But uh, before I jump into that piece, I, I really want to just touch on two quick Uber stories. Okay, so over the weekend, The Intercept ran a story about Uber drivers' labor protections with Uber CEO Derek Kay, And a lot of videos and news articles followed after this that were definitely taking opinions. I mean, that's that's a fact. Um, uh, Opinions based on this article. Now, there is some to be read into it. However, um, when I saw these articles, I was like, uh uh-oh, this is... This sounds like, you know, something bigger than I think did happen. Um, everybody seems to be putting out videos and content saying that, you know, that, um, that you know, Uber can afford employees and that this has been proven. This has been proven for a while, folks, um, and they've been doing this over in the UK. I actually listened to the interview with Dara. I've listened to some of the videos I've seen, and uh, there's definitely some correct points in a lot of that stuff. However... Um, Mm, there's a there's really not if you listen to what Darrow was saying he's not saying that that they're gonna do you know that their overall goal over time is to move to the employee model. In fact, you know, he starts it off. Actually, it's one of the interviews with Derrida. I'm not going to say I like it because I never do with him, but, and I'm always looking for the, you know, where's his angle on this? And to be honest, this one was just kind of short and sweet. He, he said that, um, you know, they're going to be off- offering IC, which basically around the world equates to um, a version of, of Prop 22. And he's also, he also said in the interview, however, that, You know, the majority of drivers want to be independent contractors, which is true. And he didn't even use the percentage, which is, you know, California was 85 plus want to be independent contractors and do not and want flex time and do not want to be an employee of this company. Um, That's kind of the sentiment in most places in the U.S., in most states, and even around the country, you still have most people wanting to be IC. Even where in like in Europe right now, they can't be they have to be worker class, so um when he relates to that in the worker class he's he states in the video in Europe that like London that you know all of the gig companies are having to follow this model, so you know he will follow it or Uber will follow it as well and you know they'll they'll follow it to the t as long as they need to. Well, you, you know what he didn't say is that they're fighting this right now. So, you know, all of the companies are doing a very very inflated version. I mean, you know, whatever it's whatever's needed of Prop 22 over there to try and overturn that a little bit and still keep that worker class as an option. So, what it's being referred to now is IC plus. Um so you can have independent contractor or you can have IC plus. Now in here he also referred to Spain and how Spain has moved to the fleet employment model which the fleet employment model is the same as the franchise and we've talked about that you know the franchise model can work uber can just serve as a middleman and they could leave it up to franchise owners everybody in the, that area would become under under that model would become an employee there would be no option to not be um and you would be hired fired by each fleet owner uh manager or each franchise owner or manager so you you are just straight up going into a w2 world in that and everybody has to it there's no choice the ic plus model that he's talking about here is only in in response to ab5 prop 22 was in response to ab5 you know and then prop 22 is being challenged by the california constitution but Uber's already moving that proposition all around the country to try and get it to be pushed. I mean, they're trying to use it in New Hampshire right now against H1234. They're trying to use it in uh, to fight what's going on in New York. And they're even in New Jersey right now, and they're starting to in Washington, which is starting to build a case for this as well. So these states keep doing this, and Prop 22 will be the model for now. But just like AB5 had to have AB2257 to keep carving out people, and it destroyed so many lives outside of the gig economy. I mean, we talk about this all the time on here, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that part today. But what I will say is that most people want to be independent contractors that work these platforms. They want to work multiple platforms. They want to do what they want. They don't want the little perks of a Prop 22 if it means that's under an employment type model. So if people are just thinking, well, he just said that you in the article that you can be flex and and you can just work from home and turn on and turn off when you want and have all these, these perks, you didn't listen careful enough to the article because he was saying there will be independent contractor status for those of us that want, want to remain that. And there will be IC+. plus. And these are in places where there is no fleet or franchise. Remember, so let's take Spain out of the equation. Who's using fleet and franchise? Because that'll be a a unique thing of its own that we'll we'll have eyes on and we'll be talking about a lot, I'm sure. But IC Plus is different. So if you can be an independent contractor or an independent contractor Plus, which gets you some benefits, you know, maybe a, a floor payment, whatnot. Don't you think that that IC Plus comes with a loss? Of what you could earn as an IC. Um, I guarantee you it's to the company's benefit to have us as ICs. So I guarantee you the company loves the fact that 85%, 80 to 85% plus approximately, prefer independent contractorship. Would Dara have said all of this if 50% or more of drivers wanted to be employees? No, (laughs) not at all. This interview, this article would have never happened. So why did he say it? He said it because um, they are going to offer IC plus, but with that's going to come, you know, hits like maybe you're going to, you're going to not make as much per mile. Maybe you're not going to make as much per minute. Maybe you're going to have to have a more updated car. Maybe you're going to have to have an electric vehicle there. He didn't get into the ifs, ands, whys, and, and hows of how this all will, will wrap around. But what we do know in London is, you know, where he said, yeah, we'll follow it they're already starting a major fight over there to see if they can tap out the resources of the government to not have to do this. And, you know, again, people like, you know, I'm reminded every day of the relationships Uber and Lyft and these other gig companies have, but especially the rideshares with cities. I've been seeing people put that this could be the end of rideshare, that this really, because rideshare is so intricate with government's with um states, cities getting people to work, they have become a part of the transit system. They are no longer like a backup to public transportation. They it's not public, it's not state run, all that, but they are public transportation people. I mean, this has become the new wave of of taking buses or taking trains and whatnot. This is the alternative, and it's being used more often than the old ways of of public transportation. That's why Uber's doing electric vehicle bus testing and autonomous bus testing, because cities have them doing it to see if they could take over the contract of running the buses. You know, I mean, this, again, it's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it is going to happen. Things are going to start to get automated. And this is a perfect example of people jumping the gun a bit and saying, well, wait a minute. So, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be or I'm gonna be an independent contractor or I'm not. Well, it sounds to me like you're gonna have an option, you know, and, and all this is always being worked out. And don't forget that, you know, Uber's always suing to tie things up in court to keep it from really becoming how it has to be until it's all sorted out. And at the same time that we all want to get very mad at Uber, and trust me, there's a lot of reasons to. Um, you got to remember that the states are—I mean, Uber and the states—are wasting equal money on this. I mean, they're—they're they're wasting millions and millions and mil- just California alone. I mean, the government what spent you know up upward of a hundred million fighting AB five or Prop twenty two. And the 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 gig companies spent two hundred and eight million. Three hundred and eight million dollars to have a proposition passed with a, around a hundred lawyers involved and not one of them noticed that it, it violated the California Constitution? Come on. Come on. This is being worked out behind closed doors with the appearance of being a fair you know, that the state's doing their job fairly and what I mean, let's 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 be real, people. There's there's deals being made. Uber's in bed with every city and state in this country. They provide free rides to healthcare, free rides to vaccinations, free rides to testing, free rides on New Year's, free rides here, there, 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 there. Holidays, anything that the the states want, the cities want, they do for them. They do it for free. So you know why? Because they'll never be gone. You know, I is Uber too big to fail? This is a question that we talk about a lot. Yes. You know, you'd like to think that some company, the, the answer to that question always in news articles and whatever was a resounding no. Is something too big to fail? No. So everything can always fail. But is Uber too big to fail? Yes, it is. It, it is. I, I don't see how Uber ever has to like abandon the platform or change the way that they do it unless the whole world goes to independent contractors are illegal around the globe. And that's not going to happen. I mean, people in California lost their livelihoods, their businesses, um, all of their sources of revenue and income. It has destroyed um, self-employment. Um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't just have to be uh, app-based, on-demand gig platforms that are independent contractors. There are so many. And I've had a bunch on the podcast, so you can go back and listen if you already haven't. Uh, but... To be honest, those people, that 1 million that got caught in the California net, all have gone out of business and been destroyed over this pandemic. So no, this is not the article that I thought it was when I started seeing all the videos and articles to follow and whatnot. And I've now gone through a bunch and shared a couple and an opinion piece on UberLiftDrivers.com on this. However, it's just not what it's not what people think yet. It's not... This is the same thing I've I've known for. I mean, there's no new information in this video and in this piece in the Intercept that I didn't I haven't known about the company for you know years. I'm not kidding. It's, we've known all of this. We've watched, and I've, I talk about the EU all the time and where they've been. And some people used to not pay as much attention because they used to be like, "Well, that'll never come here." Well, we did watch it come here. So I mean, I knew that you know we we followed that it was coming here so it did but it it it's being manipulated all the time and there's a lot of behind closed doors dealings going on because businesses support uber you might not think so but i mean like there is so much support for uber in every city and state and they can throw good money over bad and we all always wonder how they don't make any money how can they do this that's why they don't make any money I mean, if you have to spend, I mean, they also do a bunch of other things that they just, you know, they even when they raise prices, they're still not in the in the in the profit yet, though. So it's it's a lot of things. It's that they have to pay these cities and states and give free rides away and do all this, that, and the other, and they're just they're probably you know who knows. We've always said that that has to end it sometime soon. It has to, or they'll go out of business. That's not how it works. They you know if they are the only worldwide worldwide um rideshare company. And I know there's other ones, you know, like DD and there's uh you know via and some there's other ones that are out there that hit some countries or you know certain parts of the globe, but even they struggle. Uber is the only worldwide one. And it's not going anywhere, people. I mean they have some of the dumbest ideas on earth and they try them. You know? And we were just talking recently about, you know, when they try like Elevate with EVtal or they try autonomous or, you know, they try this that or the other. Why are they trying these? They're not they're not like Uber sustainable profitability things. So it's like are they doing it because the technology their technology is so much better than Alphabet's, Google's, Waymo's, Bolt, all those like amazing companies? No. I really think it comes down to the databases. They're like, we're in the EV market now. We're in Electric, we're an autonomous. Okay. We're like the last ranking technical crew for autonomous. We have no, we have no skin to add to the game. We've got we've got nothing to add. We're just literally playing off yours, your moves and creating our own division. What are you doing, Uber? Well, we happen to have a 58 million person database in the United States alone. Would you like to own that? I I think that that's what a lot of it comes down to. A lot of these projects are just to get the ear of people in that industry and see who would be willing to buy the databases. Because all of our, if you're a driver or a user of Uber, your data is for sale on a daily basis. And not only for sale, your data is being sold on a daily basis. Sometimes hundreds of times in a day, your data is sold by Uber. So just don't forget that. Even if you're somebody – we should all be reading the TOS. But even if you're somebody who who reads the TOS and says, I didn't see it in there, it, it, <laughs> they're doing it. It is in there. It's a little complicated, but it's in there, and uh, they're doing it. So, you know, this is – it's good to follow this stuff. But right now, what's out for The Intercept, this big article that's getting making its way through everything right now, and other papers are writing on it and giving their opinion and all this – the bottom line is is this intercept article could have been written 2 years ago. I mean, take out a couple here and there is like that Spain switched to, you know, this model or whatever, but this could have been written 2 3 years ago because this is what's been going on at the company. Nothing new, nothing new to see here. So, um yeah, that's that's about it. And uh the only other thing I was going to really quickly touch on today was that before I get into this piece that we did with that Harry, uh, Jason, and myself did, was the um, miner who was in an Uber 15 years old. Um, you need to be 18 to ride in an Uber or rideshare. Uh, she was 15 and being, you know, she was on a ride with a rideshare driver on i95 um, during that storm, got caught in it. The Uber driver tried to buy her a hotel room this, that, the other. And I've seen mixed stories on this. Some saying he's, a, he's such a hero for getting her back and this and that. Some saying that, you know, like, why do you offer to get her the hotel room? What's going on here? You know, I'm not calling him a sexual deviant. I'm not saying he was trying to do anything bad. But nonetheless, the bottom line of this story, people, is this guy Pick and you know, there's it gets into how he didn't, he says he didn't know that the weather was going to be bad. This all that can be true. I don't, I, I don't care. What I do care about is that the guy picked up a 15 year old, he let a 15 year old in his car, and that's wrong. That's wrong. It's against the terms of service, and nobody's saying that blatantly. Part they are making him out to be a hero when for years a passion project of mine was fighting underage uh, passengers in rideshare. Okay. And I did this on a big level with the companies. And it was a project that I was undertaking. It was a very big passion project of mine, having a child of my own and knowing the dangers of this. So this all started with a 15-year-old getting into his car and him allowing it and him taking her onto the highway and, and going and getting caught in this snowstorm. And somehow... And again, I'm glad that he didn't end up being the bad type of person giving minors a ride or something happened to this girl. Or we find out she's been killed because people that wouldn't have been shocking. But, you know, I mean, like that's we've been we've been hearing this kind of stuff all the time. However, if that would have been would have been the story, he would have been thrown into the fire pit. But he's been made out to be a hero. Be, be, um, I feel like almost because he didn't do all those bad things to her. Not because he he like let her sit in the car during a storm or offered the hotel room, I think it's it's just because he didn't do anything to her, and so they're like, "Oh, you know, this is great, look at how he handled this. How he handled what breaking the terms of service and taking a minor in his car? I mean, people get it straight, and we we got it you gotta be on the same page about this stuff, some of it." You know, we're never going to be on the same page, all of us. But this one's a a clear, don't do it. Don't take minors in your car. If they don't have an adult accompanying them whose account that they're using to ride in the car, don't take them. Do not take them. There's no excuse. If you need to make $5 that bad, go find a different way to make it. That's, this isn't, you know, I'm not, you know, here I'm not even being my opinion here I am saying this is wrong. This is wrong. It's in the TOS that it's wrong. It's in. Every, it, it should be in your head that it's wrong. Don't drive minors. And if you do know that you've broken the TOS, if anything happens on a ride with a minor, Uber and your insurance company will not, will not help you at all. They will leave you out to drive. If you get into an accident, if something happens to the minor, if somehow she accuses you of touching her, anything or him or whatever, it, anything like that, they walk away from you and you are going to be left with a million, million, multi-million dollar lawsuit that will haunt you for the rest of your life. Do not take minors. Okay. That said, I am going to move into the piece uh, that we all did uh, together. And I'll come back on the other side. And I'm sorry to be a little harsh there, people, but that's a passion project of mine. And I can't believe the news is applauding this right now. I, I, I hate the news to bury things. However, I would almost prefer this story was buried than out there as applauding. Because I feel like we're applauding for not doing horrible things to this person that was in his car, this minor. And really, we need to be looking at the fact of why did you pick this minor up? So I'm glad he did the right thing. However, he picked a minor up. So the whole thing started off wrong. And it all could have gone horribly. It's just pure luck that it didn't. But let's move into the piece. Um, Sorry I got a little heated about that. That's how I get about that topic. So that's why we don't talk about that topic a lot anymore. Because during the pandemic, it became not such a big issue. Here coming out of the pandemic, let's not let that issue come back no minors in the car people 18 years or older need to have their own account or be with a with a um an adult no exceptions so here we go with the piece and i will be back on the other side all right. Welcome,
1: everybody, to a special episode of Ready For It, the Rideshare Guy podcast, the Rideshare Rodeo podcast, and the Gig Economy podcast. We're going to be doing a super fun, uh, basically roundtable discussion. So I think uh, hopefully we'll all uh, chat about equally, but maybe we can track stats and who sort of see who sort of hogs the mic. But I'm excited to have uh, Jason Thierry on from the Gig Economy podcast. He's been doing it since 2017. He's based in Michigan. And if you're watching on a YouTube channel, you can see he's got a beard to match. He definitely has got the Michigan vibe going. And uh, if you're listening on audio right now, this just encourages you to go check out the one of our YouTube channels so you can see the video version too. We've also got Steve Johnson from Rideshare Rodeo. He's been doing his podcast since April 2020. And uh, you know, right in the middle of the start of the pandemic, really. So that was cool to see you start that up, Steve. I know a lot of uh, drivers and gig workers out there have really appreciated all of the uh, content and companionship uh, that you've been putting out there. And he's also been running his website, uberliftdrivers.com for five years. So we, uh, he's based in Colorado too. So we're actually, you know, now that I think about it, you know, I'm here in LA. Uh, Steve, you're in Colorado. Jason is in Michigan, and uh, we've we've got the whole uh, you know nation covered, somewhat, <laughs> coast to coast. So I'm excited to chat, dig in. We're gonna basically look back, uh, you know, on briefly on the year 2021, sort of what happened, everything that went down, or not everything that went down, but you know, a couple observations. We'll talk about the current state of rideshare uh, industry and also delivery. Obviously, we've seen a huge uh, shift to the delivery side and last mile side. Uh, we'll talk about some predictions on the COVID. Impact impact uh in the gig economy going forward uh you know one thing that uh, we're all excited for in 2022 i think that'll be good to hear uh, from steve and jason their predictions for 2022 so we'll basically start making stuff up and see if uh, our predictions come true and then also what can be improved for gig workers in 2022 you know we've got three guys on here um uh you know would have been nice maybe to have a, a female contributor at some point maybe that'll be our next episode yeah. but for now you've got three guys <laughs> who've been covering uh the rideshare and gig economy for For quite a while, and you know, talk to probably tens of thousands of drivers. And you know, really, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, the two of you for all the content that you're putting on. Um, So I'm going to take a break from talking now and just let each one of you do a a little bit of a a more deep intro and sort of talk about yourself and your podcast. um, And then we'll get into things. So, uh, Jason, I'm looking at you if you want to uh, start and take the mic.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Harry. Uh, I've always, Wanted to connect with you, but I never did because I've always said Harry's like the OG of the podcast world with Rideshare. I mean, you really are. I don't know anyone else. I'm sure there was somebody before you, but maybe that never really took took the reins. But I appreciate that. So when you emailed me, it uh, it, it meant a lot, actually. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've been doing the podcast since 2017 and actually started out as GR Rideshare Adventures back when uh, it was just uh, Uber and Lyft. There was There was nothing else. And then, over time, we actually had to rebrand, right? Because rideshare, right before the pandemic, we rebranded to the gig economy podcast because it blew up, you know, with delivery and and those things like that. So, um, we've had a couple of co-hosts that have come and gone, just you know, you know how the gig working uh, working goes. it people come and go. Uh, me myself, I do gig work in the wintertime uh, from November to Uh, March full-time and then I do lawn fertilization in the summer. So I don't do a ton of gig work in the summer months, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of who we are. Uh, yeah, we just recorded our hundredth episode. We've got more than a hundred, but a hundredth like live stream where we've, uh, you know, just had a regular show. So, um, that, that was really fun Steve was on there bought us a bottle of booze so if you listen to that episode towards the end I'm getting a little <laughs> I had two glasses of whiskey and it got a little sketch at the end but nice uh, nice well we're
1: we're recording this one in the morning so I think at right. least uh, a couple of us uh, have coffee and uh Jason hopefully you don't fall asleep because it's probably after lunch for you and you know maybe a nap time but uh that, that's that's awesome to hear Steve uh, what about yourself with rideshare right rodeo
0: uh yeah so um Rideshare Rodeo started in uh, 2017, uh, 2019, April, uh, right at the pandemic. I was, I'd looked at uh, starting it a few months before and I had a couple ideas, but then the pandemic hit and then I was like, just going to put it all off. And then when the pandemic hit, the very first thing I did was start the podcast and do nothing that I meant the podcast to be, which was just helping people with PUA who really needed it because I mean, none of us understood it. Yeah, And I I wasn't one that needed it the whole time, you know, or, or needed to do that. But people from every state were so confused and the systems yeah. were all locked. You guys know. And um, so we just kind of, I just kind of started that way and then just kind of morphed out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Uber Lyft drivers has been going five years now. You know, we've got 3,600 articles um, wow. now. And uh, yeah, the timelines just it, sometimes when I go back on the timeline, it's crazy from the day I, the day I started was the right about a month before uh dara was or travis was had to leave the company Mm. so it's really hectic crazy times in the very beginning there um but yeah the podcast has been going great um it's been a nice crossover with uber lyft drivers some of those people came over to the podcast some of the podcast people went over to there and then just a few about six months ago i started a youtube channel do a couple live streams here and there and I've met some of that community as well. So yeah, everything's going really good.
1: Nice. Well, uh, you know, I'm excited to chat with two, with both of you because uh, I think that you bring a sort of unique perspective, and it's cool that we're all kind of meshing into one. You know, Jason, like you mentioned, uh, I guess I am uh, you know the OG of uh, you know really the rideshare and gig economy space in general. You know, I started my for those who don't know, I started my blog, podcast, and YouTube channel actually in 2014. So uh, that's you know seven eight years ago now, and uh, you know not many people make it that long in the gig economy. So that's sort of what I I've seen a couple waves come and go, you know, the the Travis at Uber wave, you know, the Dara at Uber <laughs> wave is still <laughs> right. going on, right? You know, the unemployment or the employment battles, right, that happened like last presidential cycle and this cycle. So mm. it's been interesting for me. You know, really, kind of. You know, I started off driving for Uber and Lyft, and then I was, you know, delivering for DoorDash. And you know, I've seen a lot of trends and waves come and go. And it's funny that you guys talked about rebranding because that's, you know, I'm still known as the rideshare guy. But really, you know, over the past two years, I bet similar to you guys, I mean, most of our most popular content, uh, most of our revenue has actually come more from the last mile delivery services, so Instacart, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, um, you know, and even lots of the other ones like Curry and, uh, you know, point pickup and all of these other Walmart Spark, right? All of these other opportunities. That are out there now, which I'm sure we'll talk about more on the podcast. So that's sort of uh, my story. And just a quick uh, thing about my podcast is that, you know, I actually started it because I kind of, you know, figured, hey, I'm driving for Uber and Lyft. There's other people driving for Uber and Lyft. Like, duh, I should probably start a podcast so people could listen while they're while they're uh, driving. And you know, we've been doing about an episode every week or two for seven years, so we're at a couple hundred episodes now. And uh, so, obviously, it, here, here and there it took you know sometimes take a couple weeks off, but. Um, the funny thing is that actually, our YouTube channel and our blog have always been a lot more popular, I guess you would say, than the podcast. If you look at like pure download numbers or listens, but I do feel like I really love the podcast medium because audio is very intimate, right? Like you have someone in your ear for 45 minutes, right? Like people at the end of this episode, if they're listening on audio or even watching on video, are probably going to feel like they really know us versus, you know, just reading some article. So that's always, you know, been one of the reasons why I've been a big fan, uh, you know, of the podcast. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I've uh, I've always been passionate about podcasting. I've listed, listened to Joe Rogan. I know. I don't anymore. I kind of hated that he went to Spotify. I kind of feel like <laughs> he was a sellout. So I stopped listening to him. So I'm kind of a... Well, Jason,
1: when someone offers you a couple hundred million I, for your podcast, you let me know how you feel.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'd have done it for 50 grand. I mean, come on. no. no. But uh, so yeah, I've always loved podcasting. And so I was just like, you know what? I, I need to start a podcast. And so yep. the rest is history. I now have another podcast and a production company in podcasting. Oh, cool. So it's I've been going nuts. <laughs> Very cool. Well, if I, if I guess if I need an editor, a
1: new editor in the future, I, uh, I know who to I, call.
2: I would love to edit it for you.
1: <laughs> well, for now, I've got uh, Jennifer on my team who's probably listening to this and post-editing right now. Jennifer, you're doing a great job. Appreciate all your work. <laughs> um, and uh, don't worry, Jason isn't stepping on your toes anytime soon. I'm the soon. backup. I'm the backup. Yeah. All right. So let's dig into it, guys. Let's look back briefly, you know. I mean, I don't think we need to like do a total recap on 2021, but I'd love to know um, you know, like what's something that really stood out to you or surprised you from 2021,
0: Steve? Oh, uh, from 2021. Um That would be last year. <laughs> <laughs> last year as of hours ago. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> uh, Well, I guess one of the things, you know, was that like the last time you and I talked, Ari, and we did kind of one of these actually yeah you know we just kind of talked about what some things could happen that was in 22 that was like late summer 2021
1: oh wow well that seemed uh, a lot
0: longer than that yeah it wasn't (laughs) but uh you know it's it's crazy to me because uh i i've been waiting for that tipping point for food Mm -hmm. delivery you know like okay there's even when i had even when i was talking with um uh, Sergio and I had him on, you know, it's like, we were, we were discussing, like, you know, he was saying, well, the tipping point is here. And I, I was thinking to myself, it is, but then it comes back and it's not like every time there's a little pop in the news about Omni, you know, Omni or the new COVID or this, that, and the other, it's like food delivery goes right back up. Hmm. So I guess one of my things is that I think that once we see true, getting out of this pandemic. Yeah. That then we're going to start to see delivery go down some. Because here in mm. Denver, people are back out. They're Got I mean, it. I know that when we so when you say Harry, delivery
1: go down, you mean like earnings, demand, you know, basically yeah, I guess like just like right kind now, of, just like the interest level in delivery kind of recede basically. Yeah, but also
0: like the even the pay is already going down a little. Mm-hmm. But I mean I think these drivers are going to see what we saw in rideshare many years ago. Mm. You know, I mean I think You know, I mean, look at the start of the pandemic, hundred dollar cash tips. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff that was just every, you know, what you call the unicorn, but everything was the unicorn. Right. So that makes it not a unicorn. So I don't know. I just I feel like every time we get a surge, everybody locks themselves back up, starts using the services again because they've all got them on their phones. Yeah. And it gives it that pop again. But once I think we start stop seeing these variants or that it's not on the news 24/7. And more normal life. I just think that, I think that way too many drivers pivoted to food. I think mm. they didn't pivot back. Mm. I think that way too many drivers aren't back yet. Um, and I think that there's going to be a massive oversaturation of delivery drivers at at some point.
1: Yeah. I, I think that that's sort of one thing, you know, again, right? Like I've been doing this for seven years. And I remember a lot of times in the early days, right? Like you would have higher earnings or you have good opportunities on Uber and Lyft specifically. And then one of the big complaints, you know, that we always hear was first, you know, when Uber and Lyft would cut rates, obviously that would piss everyone off. Right. That was like always the biggest complaint. And then second though, there were always times like January to March, for example, we just did an article in a video, you know, this is like typically the, the slowdown, right? They call it like the January slowdown for rideshare. And, um, you know, that's like when a lot of drivers would feel like there's this oversaturation of drivers, right? Because the great thing about Uber and Lyft in the gig economy, it's so easy to get onboarded and signed up, right? It's like, boom, you know, and I signed up for my couch and, you know, the next day I'm driving, right? That's great. But since it's so easy that also means that like everyone and their mother can do it so during times where demand drops you still have all that supply right and so you're like now oh shit <laughs> you know i got to i got to you know compete with all these other drivers and all of that right so that kind of lends itself well to the companies um you know you brought up a few good things that we'll definitely hit on uh, in a bit steve but first uh, jason i'm curious you have done uber and lyft have you also done food delivery
2: yeah that's uh, that's kind of all i do right now honestly hmm. well let me, let me take that back. I do uh, Walmart Spark. Okay. And I got to say, like, at least in my market, it's really good. Mm. <laughs> so you I know what? That's that. funny. We're actually looking for a, a driver to interview right now uh, f-
1: about Walmart Spark because we've been oh. hearing pretty good things. So maybe we should talk to you, Jason, on yeah. the podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. Um, I'm sure the rates will go down. They just started actually my area shop and deliver, which is like mm. shipped or and or Instacart, but they, they don't pay like crap. How,
1: how does delivery work with uh, Walmart Spark and how much money can you
2: make? So it's it's very similar. I've done shipped and Instacart, very little Instacart because the pay is bad. It. Shipped, okay. It's very similar. The app is okay. You just shop it and deliver it. There's not much to it, but my minimum right now is $20. Mm. So that's really good because typically- per, per order. Per order. And that means it could be a three item order or a 25 item order. Now it kind of goes up above 25 it's the price starts to go up hmm. a little bit um but i mean if i'm doing these small orders i can do 40 an hour
1: wow 40
2: bucks an hour yeah yeah hmm. so I, okay. I love it and yeah i mean course, I,
1: I feel like i haven't heard of a 20 dollar minimum per order on a grocery like instacart is like what six or eight bucks per <laughs> minimum rate like a lot lower
2: yeah yeah i haven't done instacart in a while but um i'm sure those rates will drop i'm i'm thinking because it's new Hmm. You know, and you're
1: also in Michigan, which um, you know. I mean, what what city are you driving in Michigan? Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. So it's what like a medium sized city, not huge, but pretty yeah. big, right?
2: We got uh, we're the second biggest city in Michigan, um, oh, okay, other than Detroit. And there's I I have probably accessed about six or seven Walmarts. So.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of Walmarts. Um, and I mean, the two things that stand out to me is like number one, if they're paying 20 minimum in Michigan, I imagine in other cities, you know, it might even like LA, San Francisco, Atlanta, right? It might even be higher. And then number two, you brought up a really good point that I've seen over and over is like when these services are new, man, they pay a lot, right? It pays to like, that's why I think it's so valuable if people are listening to podcasts and YouTube channels and like trying to figure out like what's the next best service. Cause this Walmart spark. It may not last forever, but you know who knows what's going on at Walmart, and they may just be saying like, "Hey, you know, our shareholders want to see, you know, I don't know this type of growth with Walmart Sparks. Let's go ahead and you know pay crazy amounts. Like, who knows what's going on there? But it could be just you know that that what that means for you as a driver is that you've got really big earnings potential, you know, with Walmart Spark right now. And it may not last forever,
2: but you know, while well, while while the getting's good, you know, take advantage of it, right? I feel like every time I come back uh, from lawn care, there's a new app that's new that I that I focus on that season. Mm-hmm. So I, who knows? We, we don't have GoPuff puff uh, by us. It's supposed to come. So maybe next hmm. year when I come back, that'll be booming. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Steve, are there any uh, apps that you've seen, you know, in, in the past year, you know, that you're looking forward to, you know, I guess in 2022, sorry, I'm, I'm going to struggle to keep It's like, okay, last year was 2021. This year was 2022. <laughs> um, are there any apps that you sort of like saw emerge? You know, I mean, obviously, we know the obvious ones, the ride share, the delivery, the big guys, but are there any yeah. other apps that you saw emerge that are kind of like, whoa, not a lot of like, I think Walmart sparks a perfect example. Are there any other like Walmart sparks out there that you're keeping an eye on?
0: Um. Well, so recently I had a, I had one uh, pod, podcast listener for, of a long time ask me why I've done the ride shares, why I've done over, you mm-hmm. know, 25,000 rides, why I've done delivery, why I've done all these curry, all these other ones, but I've never done d- d- food delivery like, mm. or uh, grocery delivery, I mean. Mm. And they were like, you know, you talk about all these spaces and that you do them all, but you've never done these. So I was like, all right, enough. So I did a two-week challenge of shipped and Instacart. just. Oh, nice the past about three weeks ago and just stopped it and i learned a lot because i'd already heard all the negative stories about instacart but i'd also heard them about shipped and to be honest i thought shipped was a great again it's my market uh, yeah. here in denver shipped was great it was great hmm. to me and jason and i were talking last night and he pointed out maybe it was the holidays but some of it seemed holidays but it also just seemed very busy and i know that the shipped customers pay a um like a monthly or yearly right. fee. They don't, they, you know, it's not just, and for the, for those who don't know what a ship it's targets, delivery, basically outfit. It's, it's targets, but it's also like uh sprouts, um, mm. uh, Petco. Oh, okay. It does like uh, office max. Like I, I took a ream of paper to somebody, a specialty <laughs> paper from there and made $22 to drive a mile and a half. Wow. For one ream. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I was, mean that—that's
1: obviously a lot of money. <laughs> um, so that's great for you. I mean, it, it's interesting that, like, I, I guess that's the other thing that I feel like I've learned over time, right? Like, a lot of times you have to think about, like, what's the downside to trying out. These services. Like, I don't think you need to go and sign up for like 10 or 20, but, you know, sort of keep an eye on like the things that I would look for. It's like, what are the new services popping up? Like, Jason, you mentioned GoPuff, right? Like, if GoPuff, you know, they're like a what, $15, 20000000000 billion company. So I'm like, hmm, when they launch in my market, I should probably like sign up for their email list or keep an eye on them, right? And so that when they do launch, you know, I'm ready for, right? And a lot of times, if they don't have a driver thing that you can sign up for, you can sign up as a customer to be notified when they launch in your market, right? So you can kind of take advantage of that when you see, When you get that email, like, hey, you can order from us in the future, you know, we're going to launch on this date. It's like, boom, let me go to Craigslist or find a way to sign up for them because you can get those bonuses and take advantage of that. Um, And then Ship, you know, is another one. Like, they're pretty big uh, service, but it's cool that, like, they're paying, you know, they're not an Uber, Lyft, a DoorDash, an Instacart, right? But I mean, sounds like you're, you know, probably at that time, you know, making more with them uh, than some
0: of these other apps, right? Well, I also. I also wonder how much of that money, though, because I was I'm part of my money was great tips. Hmm. I mean, which is something we don't talk about much with many of these platforms, because you might get tips some, but it's never great tips. That's not a a comment you make often great tips.
2: But you live you live kind of and Harry does too, kind of in a, a more not affluent, but it feels like there's more money in those areas like my side of town, everyone's Dutch. So like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard
2: that before.
1: Jason, it's like, Oh yeah. My side of town is where the Dutch people live. Yeah, really? (laughs) It's
0: true. It's well, you know, it's really weird, Harry is that I'm originally from Michigan too. And that just North of Jason is where we have our family cabin up in a little town called Calava and that Mm -hmm. whole, and that the town's like population 1500, and that whole town is all Finnish because hmm. my family's from Finland. Very cool. So wow, Michigan beautiful. gets a lot of that. I don't know what it is. There's different. Actually, like, yeah, no, areas I, I of, know,
1: I've seen, yeah, little pockets in Michigan. I think that there's like some, I have saw that like, I feel like African, you know, uh, immigrant communities. I've seen stories about that in Michigan. So that's, that's pretty
0: cool. Pretty interesting. Um, I think I, they all moved there because of the auto industry in the beginning. Hmm. And yeah, a, I'm sure you know, that there's uh, post post-World War II because like a lot of my family members that are finished, hmm, you know, signed up for, to go into the military of the uh, military of some sorts. And
1: that's cool. Yeah. No, I'm sure there's some uh, historical reason. Um, but, you know, I want to stick on this rideshare versus uh, last mile delivery point for a second, because I think this is really interesting. You know, so we've talked about all these new services and, you know, okay. So we, I think we've given some good advice on, you know, keep an eye out on Walmart Spark and shipped and try some of these you know look for the new ones like Gopuff that are going to be launching in your market these are good earning opportunities but what about rideshare because you know my original question steve right was you know looking back on 2021 what's one thing that stood out to you and i guess my answer to my own question would be man like there's some pretty high earnings on Uber and Lyft right like we've been you know so you had Sergio from who's one of our top contributors he drives out here in LA and you know his nickname is Serge EO because He's always chasing the surge. Uh, I know, pretty pretty lame dad joke, but uh, you know, I mean, we've been posting pretty consistently the past few months about his earnings, and I mean, literally like screenshots every week. And this is in oh, LA, yeah. you know, a top market average. Uh, you know, I think Uber has said the average earnings in LA is around thirty to thirty-four dollars an hour over the past you know six months or so, and obviously that goes up and down a little, but. Sergio has been consistently earning $50 to $60 an hour, right? And right. so he's a good driver. He's I'd say he's probably one of the top 1% or 5% drivers. Like he really knows what he's doing. He's very aggressive about when and where he drives. You know, he does about 20 hours a week. So it's not, you know, nothing, right? But it's 20 hours a week and makes a thousand bucks plus every single week. We always post his screenshots, you know, because everyone's like, Oh, I don't believe this, right? Like, dude, yeah. come on. Um, and you know, he's in LA too. But I guess like my point is. I think that if you really know what you're doing on Uber and Lyft over the past year, like, I don't know, is there anything that can beat Uber and Lyft if you know what you're doing?
0: Yeah. I mean, like for Jason's market, I'm not sure. Like for mine, you know, Denver has really grown over the past few years. Um, We're at 800,000 people now here in the Denver Metro. So that's getting pretty big. Mm -hmm. Um, We're definitely getting a little overpopulated. Um, There's always been a ride share need here. Um, you know, there were, there were those months that nowhere in the, in the country was there an, a rideshare need in the very yeah. beginning, but as it started coming back, we did too. Cause a lot of people, I mean, this is starting to happen all over the U S but here in Denver, a lot of people don't own cars mm-hmm. because with a car comes, you know, if you live in an apartment downtown with a car comes a $500 a month parking spot that you have to pay. So on yeah. top of the car, you got to pay to park it. You got to walk a certain distance. So I think people just got into rideshare. Like, dude, I can just get all my rides in for a 10th of the price of owning a car. Yeah. And I know that sounds weird to some people. Like you can't ride ride show that much. You really can. I mean, if everything's kind of short and whatnot, it really, Mm -hmm. and it's not your car, but I think it's more just people's comfort level with coming back to ride share. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing that they've said, right, and especially
1: if you've been looking at it from the customer side, demand has been sort of off the charts, right? And supply is somewhat limited, right? Because, like you said, Steve, a lot of people have stopped working. A lot of people took unemployment. A lot of people switched over to food delivery. A lot of people moved into their mom's basement. A lot of people started trading crypto. A lot of people are just like, F this, I'm not going to work anymore, right? Um, right. There's a bunch of different reasons, which I think, you know, both of you have talked about. But uh, it does seem like, I guess it, it does seem like, you know if you really care about earning the most i think on average right there might be little pockets or little opportunities here and there but i would say on average i still feel pretty strongly that uber and lyft uh pay the best um and i do agree that i don't think everyone has like kind of come back to driving for uber and lyft but i do feel pretty strongly that they pay the best what do you think jason
2: See, I'm a, I'm in a totally different boat than you guys. It's, I feel it's terrible over here. Hmm. I've not gone back to rideshare. Interesting. I, mean, I, I, we're not seeing the earnings. I mean, we have a, a group that we have about forty people in throughout hmm. the country and. Everyone in Grand Rapids talks in there and they're like, yeah, this is terrible. Like the, yeah, early on there was the hundred dollar bonus. If you did three rides, which I never got, by the way, I did it. (laughs) Did you? I would have done the three rides for a hundred bucks. I mean, come on. I mean, that's pretty uh, hard to say no to, right? Yeah, exactly. But. I did a bonus one day with Lyft. It was 10 rides for 150. Okay, I'll do it. But I felt like I was driving all over God's green earth mm. and using all this gas in this time where I could do food delivery right in my little small area. The furthest I drive might be seven miles. I've not gone back to, to passengers. I just don't think the mm. money there in, in our market, at least.
1: Interesting. I mean, so one thing I definitely have seen and noticed, and you know, Uber did an earnings call recently and talked about this a little bit. There are huge differences in the recovery um, of Uber's marketplace from market to market, like they said in New York City, for example, and I, you know, they actually I looked up this data because they released the TLC data from New York City, so you can actually see the number of Uber drivers and rides and trips and stuff like that. Like they do four five hundred, that Uber does four five hundred thousand trips a day in New York City, yes. which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, mm-hmm. And they said that New York City had somewhat recovered; it was back down to like five minute ETAs. But Los Angeles, on the other hand, where I live, has been pretty bad, right? Like I don't don't think I've as a customer I don't think I've gotten a a ride in five minutes in like a year or more, right? And they're basically saying that like New York City and Miami are some of our best markets. LA is, you know, is some of our worst markets because, you know, it's more spread out. Um, You know, there are a lot of people, you know, there's a lot to do, right? So there's a lot of demand, right? And so that means that, you know, drivers are kind of driving all over the place to, you know, there's not enough drivers to meet the demand. So it's definitely, it's interesting. Like there are definitely regional differences. And I guess if you're a driver, like what you would want to look at is like what, you know, selfishly, like you kind of want as much demand as possible and as few drivers on the road as possible, right? Because that keeps you busy and means surge pricing, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's true, but then you also have to throw in the pandemic. I mean, one of our drivers here in Grand Rapids, he went back to passengers and sure enough, he got COVID. Mm, he said, yeah. Why did I go back to passengers? I mean... <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's a perfect segue into COVID, right? Because you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, right? They would say, like, okay, you don't want to be in an enclosed space and you don't want to be less than six feet. And you're like, uh, if I'm driving, like immediately when they get into the car, it's like they break that. So it's like, hmm, this seems like probably the worst activity you could do, yeah. you know, in a pandemic. Um, what do you guys think about like what are your predictions on like the COVID impact for the gig economy uh going forward? Like, do you think that, you know, it's gonna like every time there's a new variant or something like that? You know, like like what you were talking about, Steve, there's gonna be like people, you know, pulling back from rideshare, ordering more delivery. Or do you think we're kind of like, how do you think COVID, like I don't, you know, we're not like experts on COVID, but like
0: how do we think COVID's gonna impact the gig economy going forward? What do you think, Steve? So in my market, people I don't want to say have given up, but people have but people have given up. <laughs> but people have kind of given up with the COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, even if like another one came out and tried to make it all scary and gloom and doom and all that, people are just over it. I mean, like I I was in the grocery store by me the other day and we have a police officer that stands in that grocery store Mm -hmm. pre pandemic, pandemic, whatever. And right as I walked in, they got the intercom going. It says all guests must be masked. All Mm -hmm. workers must be masked, whether you're vaccinated or not, you must be masked. And we just had recently gone back to that. While I was hearing that the cop didn't even have his mask around his chin. It was just Mm -hmm. gone. He's typing on his phone. Not one worker had a mask on. Not one person in the store had a mask on. And this is playing. Yeah. And so I don't know. I I just feel like at least hearing Denver, people are over COVID. Yeah. And they're willing to take their shots with these lower grade, you know, Omnicrom variants and whatnot that you know hey look at if you get omicron it's you know it's in most cases it's like a fifth of the flu
1: yeah
0: you know it's it's it, a cold it does seem like people are kind
1: of over it you know, and I would say kind of like drivers and riders in the sense that, you know, okay, like we're two years into the pandemic, like definitely at the beginning, you know, we would see like, okay, at the beginning, like a lot of people are like, shit, I don't want to drive right now. Right. And I don't blame them, right? Because you're like, okay, unknown pandemic. Is this like really deadly or whatever? And, you know, it seems like being in a closed space, you know, with someone breathing on you for hours a day seems like a bad idea during a pandemic that you know nothing about so that totally makes sense at the start and it does seem like now like okay Omicron is out it's this variant everyone's getting COVID I got COVID two weeks ago it was very mild you know I was vaccinated very mild like no issues Um, and you know it seems though like with Omicron Uh, you know, people are kind of over it. Like I haven't been hearing a lot of complaints from drivers yet that it's like, whoa, Omicron variant, like I can't get a ride or, you know, it's like, I can't get a ride anymore. I don't want to drive anymore. Like I feel like that has sort of come and gone. So I'm kind of feeling like going forward, I don't think COVID is going to be like a big impact on the gig economy. I think you might see like some, like a little bump in food delivery, you know, if like at the peak of Omicron, but I don't think it's going to be crazy. Like You know, wow, this is like early pandemic. What do you think, uh, Jason, out there in Michigan?
2: Yeah, I think we're seeing the same thing over here. People not caring, although we the people in the store, at least by us, everyone's wearing a mask. And I started wearing a mask again. I'm vaccinated, boosted, whatever, when I do shop at Walmart. But. Yeah. I think by th- once we get through the winter, I think people don't care anymore. And then the numbers are going to go down. Right. Because obviously we're yeah. all enclosed close here in Michigan. I mean, we got a winter storm warning starting tomorrow. So, yeah. gonna be fun. And I think rideshare <laughs> will be back. I honestly think it'll once the summer hits, it's going to be back full. And, and I, I hope to get back to it if the money's there. I go where the money's at, Harry. Yeah. If Money is not in rideshare. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. Well, that's actually
1: an interesting point. I mean, a lot, I've, I do feel like, in general, you know, like the number one reason people work in the gig economy is money, you know, I think. And I don't know that that's exclusive to gig economy. I mean, every job, right? Like people, it's a job for a reason, right? Like you do a job because you need the money. Obviously, there's a ton of flexibility that comes with the gig economy. So that's like a nice number two, right? Like I would much rather do 40 hours a week at Uber than 40 hours a week at McDonald's if the earnings were the same, right? right. Um, But uh, I do feel like, do you think people write, like I've been, like one thing I was kind of wrong about in 2021 is that I thought once unemployment ended, you know, I thought that this worker shortage, you know, this driver shortage on rideshare would kind of go away. Right. And I don't think that it's actually, I think it's still like, you know, I mean, you look at LA, right? Like you can still make 50, 60 bucks an hour. Sergio's out there still killing it, which means that frankly, like they're, there's probably not enough drivers still, right in a lot of cities, a lot of places. Um, I'm kind of surprised that more people haven't come back to rideshare. Uh, so that was like one thing. I thought like as unemployment expired, I didn't think it would be overnight, like everyone would come back to driving for Uber and Lyft, but um, I did think like more people would come back to driving for Uber and Lyft and that's kind of been one thing
2: I've been wrong about. Uh, what do you guys think do you th- Do you think though that a lot of people didn't go back to driving because they went to food delivery because they didn't want to deal with? COVID. I think it was
1: a combination, right? Like, I think it was definitely like pretty obvious, right? Like huge shift to food delivery during the pandemic, right? Because at the beginning of the pandemic, remember, food and grocery delivery were like off the charts, demand was crazy, tips were crazy, and there, you know, no one wanted to drive, right? So if you wanted to make money during that time, you had to do food delivery, right? Um, mm-hmm. and then kind of like over the next year or two, uh, you know, I think a lot of people kind of like like you were saying, Jason, right? They realized, like, hey, it's kind of nice doing food delivery. I stay in my little area, you know, I never get like a 20-mile, you know, ride or like in LA, like a 50-mile mile ride to Orange County and then have to drive back empty. Um, You know, if I can make, you know, even comparable or even a little bit less like, you know, I don't have to deal with people, no one puking in my car, right? Like, you know, I get someone for, you know, I can't deliver an order here and there. And then I get a free burrito, you know, like, there's some funny benefits yeah. here and there, um, you know, of uh, delivery. But I guess, like, I always thought people were most motivated by like, where you could earn the most. And I think you can earn the most on Uber and Lyft on average, um, you know, not every city, like you said, Jason, um, but I feel like maybe that's not as motivating as it used to be, you know, like, before the pandemic, I feel like everyone kind of gravitated
2: towards Uber and Lyft if they wanted to earn the most. And now, like, I don't I'm not so sure. Yeah, I agree. When be- pre-pandemic, I did almost exclusively rideshare, share uh, a little bit of Amazon Flex. Uh, but, yeah, it was exclusively. And then since the pandemic, I've probably done a total of 15 rides. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think?
0: Yeah, well, so I'm going to go back to what you were saying about. um you know when you like when you and i talked last Harry. like it was uh we both kind of agreed that you know when pua ended we didn't think it was going to be that day but we thought well it's going to have to shift back because a there's way too many people in food it's died off a bit and there's nobody in rideshare the riders were going to be they were already coming back before pua was over and then the the drivers didn't come back, and you and I both thought they would. So, I guess what I'm one of the biggest things I'm wondering about, and this goes even beyond the gig economy, is if you squirreled away some money somehow during the pandemic, which doesn't even make a lot of sense, but if you did and you're able to quit your job or you're able to not go back to ride you what are all these people doing? Yeah. Well, so I do have
1: a few theories. So, this will be fun to chat about. I want to hear, I want to hear what you guys think about my theories. So, at the start, I thought the two big reasons were shift to food delivery and PUA, right? I mean, one thing that was actually pretty cool uh, in 2020, and you know, it sounds like uh, Steve, you had this, you know, sort of similar feeling, is that man, there were a lot of drivers and gig workers taking advantage of PUA, right? And so it was kind of cool to be helping them, and it was, you know, it was challenging and complex to navigate. But obviously, when people got you know a thousand dollars or thousands of dollars of checks in the mail, they'd be very thankful to you, right? There was one video that we did on the EIDL, which was This one thousand dollar grant, and it ended up getting like hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, and it's pretty cool. If you go look at the comments on that video, everyone's like, "Just got my one thousand dollar check deposited. Thanks so much, guys!" Like, you know, it was kind of a cool feeling. Like, I wasn't the one giving them the money, but obviously, we helped them, or you know, we you know walked them through the application process, so they're really thankful. And it was funny. A Washington Post article ended up coming out that said that Uber drivers and Uber and Lyft drivers were the number one recipient of that EIDL grant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> so wow. they, you know like the job selection that people put down for that EIDL grant they like crunched all the numbers and Uber and Lyft drivers were the number one like category for EIDL i mean it was a $1000 grant but still you know it's like i don't know hundreds of thousands of drivers or millions you know took advantage of that and so that was pretty cool to see but um you know so i feel like the shift to food delivery and the pua um you know all of the unemployment you know that whole EIDL ppp all of that stuff like really helped Drivers, you know, not have to work through that period if they didn't want to, or if they got COVID or whatever it might be. And I feel like now it's sort of like the other things that people have done is you know some people have stuck with food delivery some like i wasn't joking like i honestly think like some people have moved back into their mom's basement and they're like hey like i don't need to work as much i don't need to work as hard right um or like honestly like a lot of people are trading crypto like a lot of younger people i've noticed like i've met so many like 20 to 30 year olds that are just like and if you look at like crypto and stocks and basically every asset class last year like you could have been kind of a dumbass and just put money into any of these asset classes and made a lot of money because like the asset classes as a whole are up 10, 20, 30, or in like crypto's case, like probably 50 to 100%. So imagine, you know, you got like a few thousand dollars during the pandemic, you've been investing in crypto this whole time, like you're actually making money this whole time. Now, obviously, if the market starts doing poorly, you're gonna be like, oh, crap, I got to get back to Uber and Lyft. But, you know, on the whole, like there are a lot of other, you know, kind of like opportunities or other things going on out there. And I feel like
2: that's um, sort of what's happening happening. I mean, I guess I don't have that attitude because I got a pretty good PPP loan Mm because I applied for it. You know, I I worked a lot. I still kept working. I put it in my savings account. (laughs) I mean, I don't understand people that would get something like that and be like, yeah, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm just going to sit home. But maybe there are people like that. I'm not.
1: Really? I feel like most people are kind of like that.
2: (laughs) I I was going to say,
0: I was going to say, Jason, though, for you, though, you were already in your season of working outdoors. Right. And out, outdoors was a safer environment.
2: Yeah, no, I guess you're right. During the yeah, I got my PPP loan late in the pandemic, so I mean things were back to you know, normal anyways, but I still wouldn't do that. I mean, even No, I'm, no, but I'm but I'm just saying like you felt good about going to work. Like
0: a lot of people if you're going to go back to Uber, you're sitting in a car. True. If you're if you go back to a store, you're you're sitting around other people. Like if you go back to work just as a cashier at Target, you're yeah. around tons of Target employees. So yeah, one catches fair. it, you're all going to catch it.
2: Yeah, but anyway, I mean, yeah.
0: I'm not saying that that makes it right for those people or whatever. But to each his own scenario. I do know a lot of people who only did rideshare, and there and
2: even if they wanted to continue, there was no rideshare to do. Yeah, but that's on them. We've talked about that on the podcast for years. You got to diversify yourself. You got to be ready to when one takes a dump or you get deactivated, you know, DoorDash yep. is um, uh, famous for that. You got to be ready to pivot and go to another app. So, Of I, course. I
0: mean, and we and we uh, we feel that way. But there are some drivers who are immigrants or things like that who really maybe don't have all those opportunities. True. And then yeah. if you, if you don't have a W2 job, you can't collect unemployment. This was the first time in history that's happened. So
2: apparently I'm a hard ass and Steve's a softy. <laughs> no, cause I, well, cause I, well, I agree
0: with you. I think that everybody should have a arsenal under their belt and be ready to pivot. Cause you, like you, like you just said, the one major word deactivate. Yeah. Deactivate
2: is you better have something backed up because otherwise you're done that day. And I do see people being frustrated with, you know, in our area, Uber and Lyft not doing well. I'm like, then why are you still doing it? Like, what is the point? I don't know.
1: I mean, I think there's something there, Jason. I'd like to unravel it because, you know, we were sort of talking about like who who who's this on, right? Who's the responsibility here? Right. And I do think that like a lot of people, you know, they get into the gig, right? We talked about earlier about how easy it is to get signed up and get started, right? So it's like imagine, but you're actually like signing up to run your own business, right? And I think that's the disconnect is people don't realize, like, hey, I think I'm signing up to like work at Starbucks. They tell me when, they tell me where to work, what I have to do, right? That's not really the gig economy. And if you kind of do it that way, that's probably probably you know I wouldn't say it's the worst way to do it but there are much better ways to do it right and so like in my courses and in my books that's kind of what we talk about it's like boom you get signed up for Uber pick one or the other and then diversify right sign up for an Uber sign up for a Lyft maybe add a food delivery service so that you know a if there's better earnings opportunities out there or b something beyond your control you get deactivated i mean on Twitter right now um right before I came on, driver messaged me and he said, oh, you know, I'm dealing with this, uh, I think it was Uber or Uber Eats deactivation and he, you know, I don't know, they were saying that they'd been, he'd been canceling too many orders or something like that and I'm like, dude, sign up for DoorDash, sign up for Instagram. You know what I mean? Like you got to have all these in your... Like he was kind of acting like this was the end of the world. So it kind of made me think that he probably doesn't have a backup. And, you know, once you get deactivated, it's like too late, right? Right, (laughs) Now you got to go sign up for another service or deal with it. Like we all have called Uber support and we know that that's like banging your head against the wall, right? So, and that's kind of right. It's kind of like, that's why I do like the gig economy. I think it's such great practice for running your own business, for running a real business. Um, So that's kind of why, you know, like if, I if think they, the three of us, you know, we try to help people uh, navigate all that. If they treat it that way,
2: yeah, I think There's, a lot of people don't because they're only doing ten hours a week, right? They're like, eh, yeah, I don't care, I'm only doing or,
0: 10. or they just period don't. They they yeah. sign up, they work at a ton, and and in the beginning, like we all know, the honeymoon period, it's like you know you're getting all these orders, you're like oh, I'm doing great, and then it starts yeah. slows down. It's your business. If it slows down, you can't say Uber did that just to get. Because you know what, they might have. They might have given you. I mean, they shouldn't be according to the algorithm, but <laughs> they might have been making sure you're getting some good orders so you understand the feel yeah. and want. I mean, stick I would do them. that if
1: I was a hiring manager. You know, I'd make it easy sure. for my new employees yeah, or you'd, new workers. Yeah, you throw know, them kind of. Yeah, throw them a bone here and there. Yeah, exactly. So or you give them some easy
0: rides to get it down and yeah, yeah. things like that. I mean, like, but then when they you know kind of pull that plug and and you're on your own, then it's like people are. Start pointing at the companies all the time, like, well, this, you know, and this and this. It's like, man, you, again, I think you missed the part that it's your business when you signed yeah. up. <laughs> you. <laughs> So you know what's uh, one thing that
1: you guys think can be improved for gig workers in 2022? I'll let you either focus on rideshare, delivery or everyone in general, but you know what's one thing you'd like to see or one thing you know, um, you, know you could make it realistic or not realistic but uh, you know what's one thing that you'd like uh, improved or uh, you know, uh, see, uh, seen a lot, something added for gig workers in 2022.
2: Um, I think I just would like to see more loyalty from the companies for the, mm. the drivers or the, or that do, whether it be rideshare or food delivery, I know they have the top dasher and blah, 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 that's, yeah. but that's not enough for me. Um, I just would like to see a little bit more loyalty and a little, yeah, of course I'd like to see more money, right? That's the yeah. obvious thing, but I'm not going to say that, but just maybe some more perks that go along with uh, being a good driver. You know, Steve's done so many rides. He got paid the same for, someone signing up the next day, right? They yeah. got paid the same, but he is much more skillful. And I'm not saying, you know, give him the world, but maybe a little extra something. I don't know. I Whatever it is, just yeah. some sort of more loyalty and rewards, I guess. Something basic. I, I
1: I like that. I mean, I will say that this is one thing that I've always felt the companies have done terrible job of. And if they're doing, you know, I guess the the bad about that is that it's kind of sucks for top drivers like Steve or, you know, Jay on my team who had done 25,000 trips and was a five star rated driver. And, you know, he got deactivated. I remember we did this big story because he got deactivated over a background check that was like a DMV error, right? And it was like totally not his fault and he like couldn't get back on uber and lyft or uber and it's like man you guys have like one of your top one percent drivers here and you're like screwing him over and pissing him off and it's like it just doesn't make sense like why can't he call into support and have priority support you know what i mean like stuff like that and you know i think that there's a lot of easy wins for the companies but i think it comes down to If you're a top driver, you should be rewarded, um, you know, maybe financially, maybe with certain products, maybe with certain, you know, a free ride every month, you know, there's lots of stuff, free meal every month. There's lots of like small, a free jacket. You know what I mean? Like there's lots of like small stuff that I think they can do, uh, for their top drivers. And I feel like, you know, to be honest, I think the companies like have, I don't think they're really prioritizing it right now, but I do think that's like one big opportunity for them in the future.
2: Yeah, we had we had subway around here for like three months. I don't know if you had it in your market. That was great. Mm-hmm. You got one free six inch sub and a drink. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: Uber did like a free McDonald's coffee, uh, you know, uh, for a while. I mean, even like small stuff like that, right? Like just kind of like adding a lot of that up, I think does over time, you know, it sort of shows the company and like, that's the thing, like, it doesn't cost a lot of money for some of these like, it doesn't have to be like, everyone wants more money. Okay, that's kind of like obvious. But like, I think, you know, I I remember Lyft would give out this jacket after a 1000 trips, right? And man, people love that jacket. Like it wasn't like a Patagonia or like a $100 jacket or anything, but it just was like a nice probably 30 40 50 dollar jacket had a little lyft logo and like when i would go to lyft driver events like all the og drivers would be rocking it and like this jacket was probably so cheap for lyft for like the (laughs) amount of loyalty and brand awareness and like just good feelings all around that they got from it like it's hard i think it's probably hard for the company to like see the benefit of that on the uh, on you know, the spreadsheets that they're calculating and like oh my god we spent millions of dollars on jacket what did we get out of it but I think stuff like that
0: really does uh, make an impact. So for me, um, I would say onboarding. And I'm going to be careful here because I'm going to use Grubhub as an example, and they're not probably the shining example of a business for yeah, right sure. Now. Throw throw a <laughs> throw a company over the, under the bus, whoever you want. <laughs> well, I'm saying I think I like the way that Grubhub is onboarded. Got it. Well, so like let's say that like you need two thousand drivers in LA on any given day. I mean, I know this is way wrong, but let's say, let's just say it's two thousand. If you want to onboard four thousand to make sure that everything's double covered, I get that, but mm-hmm. don't onboard fifty thousand. Yeah, I mean, because here's my thing i I've signed up for enough apps to know that I don't mind a waiting list. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would prefer it. Don't put me on there if there's no business. Mm. So, so sort of keeping it
1: reasonably in balance, right? Like I mean I think the the nice thing about the independent contractor model for all these companies and why Uber works so well for example or did pre-pandemic in a lot of places is because they can sign up more drivers than they need, right? So that, you know, if you're hiring employees, obviously you can't You want to kind of like keep it perfectly in balance, right? Like how much demand do we have? Let's match that perfectly with supply. Otherwise, you're paying for that additional supply, right? When they're independent contractors and they're not working, you don't have to pay them, right? So it sort of goes both ways. Um, You know, the companies can like, I guess it kind of goes back to that oversaturation point, right? That sometimes the companies take it too far, right?
0: I just I don't think that people would be like, oh, they're on a I'm on a waiting list. I'm gonna actually take the time to after I signed up get my name off this waiting list. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna move to another app and then when they get up on that waiting list and just don't make sure it's not like a year or anything like that that they're on it. You know, I mean after a month, get them on there because you would have lost that many people in the month anyway. We yeah, you, Harry, jason we all know this a lot of people just quit after two three weeks yeah so the the churn rate's pretty high so i mean like you can always keep getting people on but if they go and work for lyft and they think this sucks then they get find out that they've been now approved to drive for uber and that their their slot has come up they'll be more psyched and now they got their training by lyft Mm -hmm. or under the lyft label Yeah. yeah You know, so I just I feel like when you I, oversaturation's gonna happen. I I don't doubt that it's gonna be in every market and every one of these companies wants it.
2: I think they could minimalize it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only ones that I know are Grubhub and Amazon Flex are will waitlist you. I mm. the rest of them I was able to sign up, no problem. Right, and usually drive the next day or something. And yeah. that's
0: and I guess that goes to another point of mine that yeah. goes back that's to a you. Idea. Harry with, with what you were talking about with Jay, you know, I've heard of other people. I know other people who checker really messed things up for them. Yeah. And it was like, maybe it was the wrong person. Mm. (laughs) Like the checker background check was done on somebody else and they deactivated this person and then they don't want to, and then the companies don't want to hear about it.
2: Yeah. They don't have the support to, to, to run it down. They're like, whatever, we don't care. We'll move on to the next one.
1: Well, I'll give I'll give a quick uh, shout out to one of the uh, partners that we have he's a lawyer Larry Smith and he actually specializes in helping drivers with deactivations over checker background issues so it's like very specific <laughs> if you've been deactivated for other reasons there's not as much that they can do but there's like some interesting laws around like the fair Credit reporting Act and stuff like that so um, people can check out uh, Larry Smith I think it's smithmarco.com, but we've been um, you know working with him a bit but it is cool like there are a number of these services out there that obviously help drivers or lawyers or you know whoever it might be so that's definitely cool to see um you know i guess one thing like along those lines like one thing that i'd like to see improved in 2022 and i guess this is sort of like more i don't know that this is going to happen maybe we'll do predictions in a second so i'd say this is more like my wish list (laughs) or my one (laughs) item the top of my item on my wish list is i think more protections for gig workers would be a good thing um around things like pay the things that everyone cares about right like I, you know we haven't really touched on like the employee independent contractor debate that might be a separate topic so maybe we'll stay, stay away from that since we're running low on time here but i think that there's so many things that every driver cares about or like every driver wants to be paid more. Every driver does not want to be unfairly deactivated, right? Like every driver is worried potentially about oversaturation, right? Like there's like five, you know, better customer support, right? Like there's a bunch of things, better loyalty programs, right? Like if you're a top driver, you should be rewarded, right? There's a bunch of things that like every driver cares about. And so I guess like, that's what I would love to see, like either from third parties, like Larry Smith, or, you know, we've been, um, you know, working, you know, there's lots of companies out there that I think you guys have covered, you know, like Solo. And, you know, I just connected you guys with the bus guys right like a new insurance product for gig delivery worker right there's all these comp like third party um i guess you would call them like uh, third-party companies working on new products and services for gig workers. And then there's also, um, you know, actually like cities doing stuff. So we just, I really like the city of Seattle. We just did a big podcast with them and, you know, they have a minimum pay for drivers. They have a driver deactivation. Uh, they call it a driver resolution center. So Jason, like you were just talking about, um, you know, if someone's unfairly deactivated Uber and Lyft, in, if you're driving in the city of Seattle for Uber and Lyft, Uber and Lyft have to tell you why you were deactivated. They can't send you like a list of 11 reasons and say, pick one, you know, here's why you were deactivated, oh. like they always do. And then you actually have the chance to like arbitrate that um between like a, a neutral third party and um you know, so I, th- I think like stuff like that is really cool. And then I guess the third group that could potentially you know add more protections for for drivers would be like the companies themselves. And this is sort of like the one I've got the least hope for. <laughs> but you know, like I do think over time the companies will do a better job of adding loyalty programs. Like Uber and Lyft and even DoorDash have dabbled in some of the loyalty programs, but you know it's not super well thought out or robust. They've got a long ways to go. But I guess that would be kind of like the third group um, that could potentially you know add more. So that's sort of like what I would like to say. I think there's like a lot of protections and benefits for gig workers out there that like matter to everyone, and that's kind of like what's on my wish list for what could be improved, you know, going forward in 2022.
2: Yeah, I think you know, not getting into AB five or any of that. I think <laughs> you can still be an independent contractor, but still have those protections, right? I, yeah. I want to be stay an independent contractor, but we need a little bit of of help there in right. in especially with the deactivations. I think. Yeah. Like
1: I'll be honest, I'm going to keep harping on the Seattle thing. Cause I think it's really cool what they've done. They've kept all the drivers as independent and they're kind of like a very progressive, like labor forward city. So you would kind of imagine that they might be more on like, we should make everyone employees, but they've actually like on the other route and said, let's keep everyone independent contractors, but add like the things that kind of, you know, I think are really like a pay floor. Right. So it's like not limiting your upside. Right. But it's like, Hey, let's, say that, you know, drivers can't earn less than this amount. Let's like, they have a five or what did they have? They have a, I think it's like a, oh, I don't want to, I I, th- I think it's like five or $7 or $10 minimum fare net to the drivers. Um, you know, so they've got like some cool wow. protections in there for Uber and Lyft drivers in the city of Seattle that aren't like crazy. Like, you know, let's, completely flip the script, but it's just like some nice benefits here and there, basically.
2: Are they able to be work whenever they want and everything? Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. I mean, it's still like work whenever you want. It's still independent contractor. It's just, you know, riders have to pay a little bit more. There's like a per trip fee of, I think, 50 cents per fee, uh, 50 cents per trip now that the riders have to pay. And now drivers get that, um, you know, driver resolution center and a couple other benefits. So
0: Hmm, that, that driver resolution center seems sounds like something that every city needs. I don't know if this, yeah. you know, I know that Super Solo cool. is, is is getting ready to expand other cities right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just talking, I was just chatting with him about that, in fact, like a couple of days ago. And uh, but I, I think that the driver resolution center is key. I think every big city needs yeah. to every state should have one, and it should be in your big city, and then start working them out a little bit more too. But you know, almost yeah. like the almost like the Green Hub or the you know, yep. like well, and I think that's bugs, what's so like, now. Just let's do these. Let's do something yeah. important instead of hey, come here and get a free keychain.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing. That's where like I guess if you're optimistic about things, you could be like, wow. Uh, you know look at all well so if you're pessimistic it's like look at all the shit that sucks (laughs) you know driving for uber and in the gig economy and if you're more of an optimist you're like okay here are all the things that you know suck or can be improved right like hey there's all these opportunities the companies can do more loyalty cities can add um you know more uh you know like Benefits like a driver resolution center because I I I I said this in the podcast that I did with the city of Seattle team like it's kind of like dehumanizing in a way to like wake up one day and it's like Uber says you've been deactivated we're not going to tell you why there's no one you can call there's no one you can contact like you were making a thousand or two thousand dollars a week and now you got to go find something else right like obviously drivers should have a backup plan and they should be diversified but not everyone does that and I just feel like it's like kind of like a shitty thing to do and you know Uber and I'm not like counting. You know, like I would love the companies to kind of like go and you know build all this out. Like, man, I would give so much credit to Uber or Lyft or DoorDash. Like, if they started their own driver resolution center or piloted some of this stuff, but that's where I'm kind of like, man, they're, they're you know, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, expecting too much from them
0: in this department. Well, then then it gets then it gets a little sticky though too because who's running the uh, who's running the resolution? Is it Uber? Doordash. Yeah, but you got to give
2: him. You got to give him the chance at least. Well, but They're I mean, there should honest. It should be.
0: It should be another party.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's how the Seattle one works. I think they right. work with this group called, um, I think it's like, oh, I don't want to botch the name, but um, it, it, there's a group in Seattle, I think Working Seattle or something like that, that's sort of a labor you know, organizing group. And they sort of, you know, it's like a third party though, basically that runs this and they get paid from the city fees. So, you know, I think definitely uh, some cool stuff. So um, before we run out of time here, I want to do one last question for each of you. Uh, any predictions for 2022, rideshare, gig economy, Labor, we talked about a lot. Uh, what, do, what do you think uh, might might happen or might surprise people by the end of the year?
2: Uh, mine's pretty simple. I I do think Lyft is going to get bought by somebody. I, hmm. I really do. Ah, I don't know. That's a good one. I don't know how. I've been thinking about this for the last six months. I don't even know how they're still in business. Like they <laughs> they're be like. To pay that payroll? And I mean, it, no way. So I, I don't know whether it's Amazon, whether it's Google. I don't know. I think I think Lyft is going to get bought out by somebody. And maybe they shut it down and just grab the data. I don't know.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay, that's a good prediction. I like that. Damn, Jason. <laughs> Let's just not have it be Uber that buys them out. Yes,
2: for the love of God. Well,
0: I think I think you're right, Jason. I mean, well, I don't know that you're right, but I think
1: that's a good prediction. I don't know how likely it is to happen, but I right. think like I could easily see, you know, like an Apple who's working on autonomous vehicles, like, okay, they buy Lyft because then they want that network, to, that rideshare mm. network to plug into their autonomous vehicles or a Tesla that's worth, you know, what? I don't know, trillion dollars, you know, hundreds of billions, whatever Tesla is worth, right? Like Apple, Amazon, right? Like, I mean, there are a lot of really, you know, wealthy companies out there that have made a lot of money during the pandemic. And kind of, I think the thing sometimes that gets forgotten about Lyft is that like, you know, there's still like millions of rides happening every single day on rideshare, even though demand is down. Maybe not as many people like before the pandemic. I think Uber was doing eight million rides a day. So even if demand is like cut in half, fifty percent, they're still doing four million rides a day. And if Lyft is twenty five percent of Uber, they're still still doing a million rides a day. So it's kind of crazy yeah. to think about the numbers sometimes. It's like, wow, I haven't done a Lyft ride. I don't know anyone doing a Lyft ride. Man, like somebody is taking Lyft rides. You know, yeah, still. Right um so that's a good prediction uh well you
0: have any predictions steve um well one i I think that i more than ever i think you need to diversify your your gig platforms Mm -hmm. you work you know i used to always i always said that and i i meant it but i i was a fan of rideshare so i really liked doing rideshare i've been in industries where i deal with people a lot through my whole life. So to me, that was even fun. I I enjoyed it more than like food delivery and the Mm -hmm. solitude of being in the car. Um, I I don't know. I enjoyed it and I was doing well. I think that right now, W2 jobs aren't even getting filled and they're getting, people are doubling the rates. I mean, doubling the hourly rates. If something was 10, it's 20 now to go work at McDonald's or whatever. And they still can't fill those positions. Mm -hmm. But yet the gig economy is still flooded. So diversify if you're wanting to stay in the gig economy, diversify. Start looking and follow yeah. the money. Follow the money is the end thing. I mean, like if if you just love Uber and you're like, I want to Uber, I want to Uber, but you look around and you can make three times as much doing in this is just example, shipped. Do shipped. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though you love it, you're your own boss. And you're if and for a business, your own boss would say, get the money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the nice I mean, the thing I love you know, and why still, you know, seven years later, like I'm still doing gig economy stuff is, you know, and covering it, right. Is because like the downside to trying new services is so low, right? Like people like, you know, do so much research and agonize about like a new service or who should I work for? Or who should I drive for? And I mean, it's important to do your due diligence, like spend an hour, spend a few hours, but like, just go sign up, try it, do a shift or two, like watch a video or two, like you can get a really high ROI by just a little bit amount of work. And it's so easy to try these services. And you literally make money from day one, right? Like you can't lose money on any of these, like, I you cannot lose money. I would, you know what I mean? Like I know people, you know, like you literally can't lose money, right? On any of these services, right? Like you might sit there and lose time, (laughs) but you can't lose money. You're going to get paid more than it costs to do these rides or do these trips. And so that's sort of the thing that I love and kind of my, my whole... You know, I'm happy to talk you know I think we've covered some good positives and negatives about the gig economy right like no job is perfect like there's plenty of issues with gig economy and driving for uber and lyft and delivery services like we talked about but like I definitely personally feel the positives outweigh the negatives and I guess just my personal like take and like where how I've run my business is like anyone that wants to do gig economy work I'm not gonna necessarily make a judgment on whether it's good or bad for you like if you want to do it though I'm gonna help you do it and make as much money as possible and you know have the best time <laughs> that you can can have so my i guess my prediction is actually sort of that i think the earnings and opportunities are going to stay high and stick around sort of similar to what you said steve like in 2022 i think it's gonna like if you want to make 50 to 60 dollars an hour driving uber in la you're going to be able to do that for all of 2022 if you want to go find you know new services like you don't necessarily have to drive uber and lyft you can find walmart spark you can find um Ship, you can try these new opportunities. There's so many companies like getting into this last mile delivery space. You know, people want things faster and faster, right? And that requires workers to deliver it. And, you know, if the faster you want something, the more you kind of have to pay for it. So I just think that, like, I'm kind of bullish on the overall opportunity in the gig economy that, like, if you want to take advantage of it, and like, I think the earnings are really going to stay high um, because, you know, of like, the trends within the gig economy and last mile delivery, but also just like, you know, macro labor, right? We talked about like, you know, a lot of people are like sitting on their butts, you know, working, you know, not working or, you know, sitting in there, you're doing crypto. So I just feel like um, the opportunities and the new income and stuff like that are gonna stick around for all of 2022. I don't think we're gonna see, I think like things have changed, you know, like before the Mm -hmm. pandemic, right? Like, you know, the number one complaint was, you know, I don't make enough on Uber and Lyft and, or I don't make enough in these services. And if, you know, frankly, over the past year, if I saw people complaining about their earnings, I kind of like, that's more of a you problem. <laughs> you know? <Like>, <laughs> you got to get out there. You know what I mean? You got to train yourself up. You got to look for opportunities. And like yep. before the pandemic, I was totally on board. Like, man, number one complaint, got to get paid more, got to earn more. But like, I don't think you can really make that complaint anymore for now, at least, um, you know, if you, if you want to strike, you know, I mean, that could go away. Uh, you know, in any instant uh, and could disappear. And there's plenty of issues still. But I do feel like that's going to stick around for 2022.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good prediction. Uh, I like your attitude of like it's your fault because there's so many apps you can't really blame just Uber and right. or Lyft. Now you got like 17 other ones. And- well, I mean,
1: if people are listening to this podcast now, they know like I should keep an eye out for of Walmart Sparks. We gave them three great ideas: Walmart Spark, Ship, and GoPuff are three like great earn- ideas. And we, you know, hurry,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we, he's
1: you all earned if- good. Right. If, if we, you know, if you have them in your city, go try them out and check them out and be like, man, you guys were full of shit or wow, I earned a lot or sign up for the waitlist for like when, you know, if a $20 billion company like GoPuff is going to launch in your market, they're probably going to have pretty good sign-up bonuses. They're probably going to have pretty good guaranteed earnings at the start. It may not last forever, but if you kind of are ready for it and know about it and take advantage, right, that's sort of what, and there's so many of those services launching, right? I mean, we talked about, you know, you talked about Curry. There's also Point Pickup. There's also uh, Bite Squad. you know, there's Grubhub, there's, you know, and then all the big ones too, but there's so many that people have never even heard about too. So. There's
0: like four other, there's like four other cor- curries too. Yeah, oh really? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean I had downloaded some of one of them's freight something. Yeah. Might, uh, I mean, you can deliver they're, they're doing or... the same type of thing, but they're starting to follow that model. Mm. You know, I mean, you I mean, can
1: deliver alcohol in California and probably Colorado. I'm guessing weed delivery is pretty big, right? Like weed delivery in California, you're an employee and you get reimbursed for mileage uh, and you get tips. So it's like you can actually make pretty good money on some of these weed delivery services. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's so many uh, opportunities out there. So I definitely feel uh, like for gig workers, pretty uh, bullish. And I guess the thing I like is it's like for me personally, more fun to talk about, you know, the exciting opportunities versus like, hey, you know, if Uber and Lyft cut rates, I'm happy to, uh, you know, take them to the grindstone. But I'd prefer to talk about like new and exciting opportunities. But, you know, well, you can't control. <laughs> Harry, control Harry that.
0: do you, you remember when, like around the time that you were starting this podcast, like mm-hmm. that it was, it was underground dubbed the hustle? Yeah. Okay. Then people stopped using that term altogether. Mm-hmm. It kind of just disappeared. I think we're back to the hustle. Hmm. I think that's the way I'd put it is that now you you gotta hustle again. Don't just have Uber app and go, This is what I work. Yeah. If you're a gig employee or if you work the gig economy and you love Uber, that's great. But you know, just be ready. And and even if you're not signing up for them, look into them so you're ready. Whatever. Start looking yeah. into some of these ones you've just been ignoring. For sure. You know, do do even if it's not signing up, just do some research because ask, ask some other people, because you might find out that you're making half of what they are in your market. Cause like Harry yeah. said, you know, like, you know, you can make up to 60 in LA. Um, I don't know what it is right now in Denver would be like the average for rideshare, but it always was high when I was doing it. But right now there are some apps that were, I mean, look at food delivery, food delivery. Yeah. You couldn't make a dollar before the pandemic.
1: Yeah. I mean, food delivery was you, not a great earning opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I feel like drivers, you know, on average, were reporting to us like $10 to $15 an hour on average. Right. And At There's best. definitely a lot more variability <laughs> in food delivery, right? Like there's mm. some places where you probably still are making $10 an hour driving for certain services, but, you know, there's others where you can make, you know, significantly more. So I think that's a great note to uh, wrap on. It was really fun uh, having you guys on, uh, hearing a little recap of last year and a few predictions and things to look forward uh, to in 2020. Um, if folks want to get more of uh, each of you, can you? Uh, why don't we start with you, Steve? Can you tell them where to find you, uh, where they can get your podcast, you know, YouTube channel, website, uh, and I'll also I'll put this in our my show notes too, and maybe you guys can uh, each do the same.
0: Yeah, we'll I'll do the same. Um, so yeah, uh, uberliftdrivers.com for just news and uh, just kind of keeping up with things. If you like, like we were just talking about, if you want to learn about other platforms, go in there and search it. You know, search Grubhub, you'll come up with a yep. bunch of stuff on it, and you'll you can do that. Um, uh, rideshare rodeo.com is the podcast, but we're on obviously like Harry and Jason, we're on every podcast platform, so <laughs> any pod catcher we're on. Um, so you can listen wherever you want, and uh, and then also, um, Jason and I have been doing a show on TNC Radio Live where they play your stuff, my stuff, and Jason. So it's weird the three of us are together today because. They play our stuff in replay over there. And then Jason and I do a live radio show, a call in on Friday nights over there. So, you know, call in and have, have fun with us. We we love talking to you and we'll just
2: shoot the shoot the breeze with you. So very cool. Jason? Yeah, mine's pretty easy. Just search the gig economy uh podcast in your Google search bar and hit enter and it's everything you need to know about it. So <laughs> on YouTube Very or where cool. all the player apps and all that fun stuff. So it's pretty easy to find
1: yep and i think we're pretty easy to find too. just type the rideshare guy into uh any box on the internet and hopefully we should pop up in some uh, form manner or fashion but yeah definitely uh pop over if you enjoyed this podcast um you know i do a weekly show interviewing everyone from uh drivers and folks like uh, jason and steve covering the industry uh to uh, executive academic media you know sort of look at everything so uh rideshare guy um podcast and uh steve jason it was a lot of fun uh having Mm -hmm. you Two
0: on and uh, we'll look forward to maybe we'll have to do it again uh, next year or even sooner
2: yeah thanks right. for the opportunity I appreciate it
0: yeah well thank you everybody for joining us on this special edition of episode 101 of Rideshare Rodeo podcast I was very happy to do this piece with uh, Harry and Jason and uh, hopefully um, uh, Harry and I will be doing a uh, Rideshare roundtable piece here soon just kind of based around all the news that's coming out about Uber right now. It might even... You know, this one's the rideshare roundtable. <laughs> but maybe here... You know, here, hopefully Harry and I will be doing an Uber roundtable here very soon. I want to just dissect Uber. Too often we talk about, you know, gig space or delivery or rideshare. But I think it's time for an Uber conversation. And I have some very real questions. Um, and uh, I think that um, I would... Hopefully, hopefully we'll have something coming up on this soon, because I think you guys will really like uh, the piece that I would like to do on this. And I think that um, I could probably get Harry on board to do it as well. And uh, sometimes when we get together a lot of, uh, you know, we, we go a little bit stray of our normal podcasting methods. So it's, uh, or the way we go about crafting our podcasts and whatnot. So um, it's an important piece. There's a lot going on with Uber. But uh Once again, ran a little over. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, guys. Still trimming it back. But uh, we will be back here next week, as always. Um, Thursday on Rodeo Live YouTube, I have Dash or Pass Faith. And we will be talking about some of the legislation going on in a live stream on YouTube. That is 6 p.m. Pacific Time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also Friday, Rideshare Nation is back on tncradio.live. That is where Jason and Jason Thierry and myself host a call-in show on a truckers radio network. So give that a try as well. tnc live tncradio.live. And that is also at 5 p.m. 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern runs for 2 hours. Music, talk, chat, gig, whatever. Call in. Guys, go out there and spend some good into this crazy world, and we'll see you back here next week on Rodeo.